0: It is a blessing to be here with you, folk. Always a, always a privilege to be in God's house. Period. Yes. It's always a privilege to be uh, visiting with, uh, with brethren that love and know the Lord. It is a, it's a wonderful and it's a blessed thing, to, uh, to dwell together with uh, brethren in unity, and uh, to know that we have uh, have so many things in common. And now, I'll preach my message and find out that there weren't that many things in common. I'm just, I'm just kidding, because I am going to delve a little bit. We're going to be talking a little bit about the end times today. But uh, specifically, turn with me to Matthew 24, and I want us to look in ver- at verse number 9. Matthew 24 and verse 9 is, is what we're going to concentrate on a little bit uh, today as our text, uh, kind of a... a somewhat of a a, a, maybe an odd position an odd place in the scripture to to be looking just taking this one little verse out of here but uh, but I do want to think a little bit about this and the context of it and what is being said here that we get a a a little grasp on just an encouragement for all of us on when our plans fail when our plans fail and I I look here and we say, well, what does that have to do with the end times? What does that have to do? We just got through saying we're going to say some things about eschatology, about the end times, the last things. Well, we're going to think a little bit about that, but I want us to uh, uh, apply it, make some application to us as we look to this passage today, and and may it be a blessing to us. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin today. We thank you, Lord, for your care and blessings on our life, and we just pray that you might strengthen and, and guide us and, and gird us up, Lord, knowing that you alone can encourage in the truth by your Spirit, that you alone can cause that the Word of God be effectual in the hearts and lives of your people. And we just pray for your blessings today, that that would be the case, and that we might be encouraged, Lord, in our walk with you. And we pray, that, Lord, that you'd help us to discern, help us to uh, properly uh, understand what it is that you'd have us to know in the future. And, but, Lord, keep us humble and keep us, Lord, from pride and, and, uh, and vain glory. But, Lord, uh, deliver us and strengthen us in that area. Uh, give us grace now that all that's done would glorify your precious name. Bless, Lord, each one that's here. May Lord each one be encouraged by Your Word, you'd accomplish Your purpose through it in Jesus' name, Amen. Begin. Let's begin. Read verse one of uh, here, and we find that this is during the uh, the Lord's sermon on the mount, and we find it in the word. It says in verse twenty and verse one, and Jesus went out and departed uh, from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, uh, and see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place whoso readeth let him understand then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains and we'll stop right there with our reading today but when our plans fail is our message today and I believe that when we look at the passage before us and we see the 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 questions here uh, that are being given now by the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews, including Jesus' disciples, believed the prophecy that the government was to be upon the shoulders of the Messiah uh, and Israel's king would one day reign. They knew that. They believed that. Israel as a whole believed that. And certainly... As well, the Lord's disciples believed that. Also, His kingdom uh, and and uh, the age of righteousness was coming. It was the time would come when when the Lord uh, Jeho- when the Lord would reign. When the Lord the Messiah would reign upon the throne of His Father David and of His kingdom, there'd be no end. He and the Scripture talks about those kind of things and talked about and sp- specifically. A very um, regularly spoke of those things. The prophets spoke of those things. His true disciples knew him to be the Messiah. The Jews rejected him as the Messiah in general, but the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ obviously knew he was the Messiah. But they were mistaken, though, on timing and had neglected the truths of the prophets. On the time of Jacob's trouble, on Daniel's seventy weeks, uh, on some other things that specifically would tell about the fact that there is going to be something that happens uh, in between Jesus's first coming and his his return, his second coming. And so, in short, they had ignored the the balance of. Uh, judgment and dealings with Israel before their ultimate, before Israel's ultimate restoration and the kingdom of the Messiah. And so Paul explained this time as uh, breaking off the we know in, in, uh, in Romans he speaks about this time as being the breaking off of the earthly privilege and blessing if you will for the for the uh natural order against the natural order in a sense of grafting in the gentiles grafting in the gentiles being something that would be kind of counter to history counter to what all has taken place to this point and and that there's a there's this there would be this anomaly that would take place there would be this this major shift in in the way that the world would exist the way the world would be from the time of the Lord Jesus Christ and it would be a, a turn to the Gentiles, to the nations, all the nations of the earth and only so long, as, as, as the Apostle Paul explained, only so long until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So there, but there would be a fullness of the Gentiles, there would be fruit coming from off of that olive tree through the graft-in branches of the, if you will, the graft-in branch of the of the Gentiles. God would be blessing. God would be... And their fullness, though, would come in. And the Apostle Paul spoke about that. Paul warned about that. He warned the Gentiles. and He said, now, now, be careful because you know what happened to the Jews and how they were cut off. So there was this cutting off, in, in a sense, of the natural olive tree branch for a period of time, and he says, it was for sin, it was for their rebellion, it was for their iniquity, and you know, be careful, because you can be in that same state, and you can end up being in that very same position one of these days where you think it's all about you, where you think there's nothing else, and you're going to end up finding out that he's going to cut you off that the Gentiles are going to be cut off one of these days. And so that would happen, and there would be the re, if you will, I think the Apostle is talking about an end-time event, end-time events when he's talking about the fact that there would be a re-grafting end. There would be a restoration of the nation of Israel that is coming. And I think those uh, those passages in Romans chapter 11 and such, uh, verse 25 in different places, would be you know, this'll then be followed by as Paul referred to, the the deliverer turning ungodliness from Jacob. And that was that would happen. There's gonna be this restoration of Israel that God has planned and he's gonna eventually gonna bring in his kingdom. But we believe Matthew twenty four, and 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 we believe Matthew twenty four and I'm now gonna say something that maybe not everybody agrees with and that's okay, but I believe that Matthew 24, like from verses 4 all the way down, you know, you could say till verse 31 or something like that, is a description of this period of this tribulation time that God has planned for Israel prior to the kingdom. That there is a time of judgment, there's a time of tribulation, it's a section of Matthew Often it's awkwardly applied to... I believe it's awkwardly applied to our times uh, as a sort of preamble to the the rapture, a preamble to the, to the coming of the Lord that's imminent, that we're waiting for right now. And there are people who believe that, well, you know, we see all these signs. We're looking at these signs, and these signs are saying that the Lord could be coming any moment. You know... There's nothing in this world. There's nothing that has to happen. Hear me out. There is nothing at all. The Scriptures are clear with the fact that there is an imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It could have happened a thousand years ago. could have happened yesterday. It could happen today. And there's absolutely nothing prophetically that has to happen before the Lord comes but we look at these verses and sometimes people are thinking oh my you know and and it's doom and gloom because they misinterpret Matthew chapter 24 Oftentimes, they think doom and gloom what is the what is the purpose in our lives as God's people of an understanding of the end times what's God's purpose in it I think 1 Thessalonians says it rather well in chapter 4 when it says comfort one another brethren with these words that there is comfort that is to be had with an understanding of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and we as his people are not going to be subject to the wrath I don't believe that we're going to be subject to the wrath of the tribulation period I believe we are going to be delivered from it the word of God I believe teaches that we are to be delivered from it and the, the, uh, the saints are going to be out of here Really, it's a description of times here, if you will, in in Matthew chapter 24, on earth after we're gone. And ends with our return to the earth with Christ. Verse 31. Verse 31 says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, From one end of heaven to the other. Where are the saints of God? Where are the huge majority of the saints of God at this time? During this period of time when the end is about to come. When judgment is about to fall. They're with the Lord. We're in heaven with the Lord. We're in our mansions that he's prepared for us. We're in heaven with the Lord. And then he's going to come back though. And his his coming is not going to be a coming like the rapture where he's just taking out the believers all the believers that are left on earth but rather his coming is going to be a coming of judgment where he's taking out the ungodly and it'll be a different kind of a a different kind of a judgment complete a different kind of a coming completely but it is part of the second coming two phases of the coming we believe we believe in a rapture and we believe in the second coming with the Saints so there's a coming for the saints and a coming with the saints. And here this scripture, I believe, speaks about that. And this, uh, But today, people are consumed today. It, people of prophecy, people of... Just believers in general, I think, to some extent, are consumed today with Gentile privilege and eschatology. They don't even consider anything with a hint... Of a restoration of the nation of Israel, that it even exists. If it exists it's figurative. People believe that it's just something that's not even a reality and that, and that all the ways that prophecy has been fulfilled thus far literally that it's not going, that those prophecies are not going to be fulfilled literally that somehow that the prophecies that God has made to the nation of Israel all apply to the church. they all apply to the kingdom. they all apply to, to us today. But I, I would say that's kind of the arrogance that I think the Apostle Paul in Romans was warning against. He is warning against being arrogant and thinking that it's all about you. Thinking that it's you know when whenever we as God's people, in fact, in general, we as human beings, we live our daily lives and we work and we do what we do and and we think we start thinking that things are all about us that it's like the world is is all about whatever we're experiencing at the time it is easy to do that we get caught up in the moment we get caught up in the things that are happening around us and we lose sight of what the lord might be doing eternal in an eternal from an eternal standpoint we lose sight of what the lord might be doing just in the next lifetime the next generation through us, we lose sight of what what problems that we might be going through that actually might be something beneficial to our children or our children's children. You see, we lose sight of this long term picture of the Lord's will being done in this world and how He's doing it. He's accomplishing His purposes. Brother Mel mentioned the fact that the you know the election we're. God does set up kings and He sets up rulers and He takes them down. He does. He's the one that's in charge of doing that. But at the same time we're to involve ourselves understanding that God has a purpose in each of our lives and that He will use us and that when we're not used we'll end up being empty. That when we're not used, when we're not being useful in the things of the Lord, then we will end up being the ones that hurt. We're going to be the ones that Miss out on the blessing, but but as God's people that we we involve ourselves. So okay, I'll whoop you uh, if you don't go b- vote. This, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll go to the next step from rebuke. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but but we you know it, we consider it, it is easy for us to to start thinking that. It's about us. And I think as Gentiles and as Christian saints and even as theologians, people that are theologians, and they kind of get caught up in what's happening around them right now. And they think that's what eschatology is related to is what's happening right now. We are clearly, the Gentiles are clearly an anomaly on the biblical timetable of God's Word we are clearly an anomaly. We are are something that has... I mean, as God's people, as Gentiles who've been saved, oh, how we ought to be grateful to God for having taken away the natural branch for a while. That He would be so gracious to open the door of faith unto the Gentiles is a wonderful and glorious truth. And as God's people, we would have that and that we would treasure that and know that. But don't doubt for a moment that he is not—he is not finished with the with the Jews. He is not finished with Israel. He still has purposes in the nation of Israel that are yet to be fulfilled. And uh, there's a number of things, but let's let's look at the let's look at the text though. And so we're thinking—we're just thinking about this verse and what all's going on here with the with the Lord's disciples and they got these questions and they're asking, you know, well, you just said that <laughs> that the temple's coming down? What are you talking about? The temple's coming down. You're just, you're about to establish the kingdom in Jerusalem. Why would the temple be coming down? They just got, they're, they're confused. They don't know what in the world is going on. And you know, as Judas Iscariot would eventually, he'd hear more and more about this and that and he's coming to see that, you know, Jesus, this whole thing is, is going to fall. It's not really going to happen. I thought he was going to be the king, and so I could, be, you know, make myself rich. I could get better and bigger and everything, you know. And, and the time would come, then nah, about the only thing I'm going to be able to do is betray him. Might as well just betray him and make a little bit off of this. You know, it's like the Jews in general and the saints of God, The believers, the disciples of Christ, have have been are confused. It's not because Jesus didn't tell them the truth before. It's just that they're they haven't got it yet. We're that way sometimes. But let's look at our verse with a view of some application to our lives when our plans fail. That's what's happened. Their plans are failing. The plans that they had the things they thought were going to happen are all just evaporating. The, 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 the way they saw things taking place eschatologically or, or in, t- in time prophetically are not working out for them. Just not working out. They're just not going to happen that way. And in our lives as God's people, we kind of get this plan of our life and here it is and here's what we're going to do and how many times has it changed? You know, many, many times. Why? Because we're just adjusting to the Lord's will. Really? That's what's oftentimes what's happening. Or we're just rebelling against the Lord's will one way or the other, right? Things change either because we're rebelling or because we're yielding to the will of the Lord. And the Lord is accomplishing his purpose through us and he's and He's working things out. But God has, has a perfect, first point. God has a perfectly executed plan for our lives precisely what we need. God has a perfectly executed plan for our lives that is precisely what we need. Look at what verse look at the first word of verse number nine. Then <laughs> shall they deliver you. How many times is is and and then and then this is what's going to happen and then this is what's going to happen how many times is that found here in Matthew 24 numerous times because it's telling about the events that God has planned to be fulfilled now we can look at this passage of scripture and we could take different viewpoints you know you can be preterist or partial preterist or all kinds of things you know Or you can be a you can be futurist, a strict futurist, or you can be a person who's double you know double interpretation kind of stuff, and it was all that kind of stuff that's part of eschatology and part of. I don't want to bore you with any of that, but I want to say this: that the Lord's got a plan that He's fulfilling, He's accomplishing, He's accomplishing a perfect plan for our lives, and this was exactly, even though they couldn't understand it. Even though they couldn't get through it, it was going to be wonderful for them, and they wouldn't see it until later. The resurrection time came, and there was some disciples wandering out on the road of to, road to Emmaus, and, and the Scripture says, "Hey, there." The Word of God shows us that Jesus comes and is talking with them, and and He says, "What's going on? Why are you so dismayed? Why, why is things not so good for you?" And it's because why? It was because they thought, right? It's because we thought this was gonna happen. We our plans are totally, you know, just evaporated. We don't have our plans. Our plans have been dashed now to the rocks. And that concerns us and that bothers us. And so but God has a had a precisely executed plan for them. When he explained it to them, what were they doing? rejoicing, right? When he explained it to them, when he took them through the Scriptures and said, hey, don't you remember? This is what it says. Here's where all the Scriptures talk about me and tell about what's happening, what's going to happen, and what's taking place at this time. And they're like, wow. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> that's Don't leave, Lord. We want to hear more. You know, Tell us more. We want more. More about Jesus is what we need as God's people. Just But God has a perfectly executed plan for our lives, which is precisely what we need. And it will bring us joy as God's people. And and you know what? In, In precursor to that, as God's people, that we would trust and know and have that hope that looks out in the future and says, I don't know what the future might hold, but I know who holds the future. That we would be have that confidence to say, I don't know what it is. I don't know what might happen in my life. I don't know what tomorrow might bring. But the Lord is in control of those things. And he has a perfectly executed plan for our lives. And then so I want to yield to him. I want to yield to what his will is for my life. So, looking at that passage, I see that word then. Okay, that's the first word. If I go through every single word here, then we're going to be here for a while. But then he says, uh, "Shall they deliver you up to be?" And here's the first one: afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, I personally believe he's talking about he's talking to Jewish believers of the end time. I believe he's talking. Really, is this is applied to Jewish believers of the end time? He's speaking to them as Jewish believers as Hebrews. And he's speaking to them in terms of being believers, being the saints of God, and that there's application, specific application, or the specific interpretation of this passage of scripture. I believe is for in, is for the end times. But I look at this passage and I say, isn't that kind of the way it has been with God's people for all time? Isn't it kind of the way saints can be hated? Is it possible? <laughs> Absolutely. Saints can be afflicted. Is it possible? Absolutely. And saints can be killed. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if I signed up for that. <laughs> you know? Signed up. Oh, yeah, I did. You're exactly right. Because, because I'm not going to be greater than my Lord, right? Uh, I signed up for that. Because He has said, you can trust me. You can depend on me. And don't fear that one that's able to destroy the body but fear Him rather than able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And so I have signed up for that. I have. It has been something that the Lord has given me an understanding of, and, and and, and I understand that in this world He says you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be difficulties in this life, in this world. Saints can be hated. Saints can be afflicted. Saints can be killed for following Christ for following Christ somebody says well when you follow Christ things work out for you earthly things work out for you you don't have to worry about that and that and that and these other things and that when things don't work out for you <coughs> then that means that you're not following Christ no he says these are the things that happen to those that follow Christ these are the things that are the normal things that happen to those who associate themselves with the, most, with, with the one human being on this earth that is hated more than any other man. The man of sorrows. He's hated more than any other man in this world. and uh, And we can, as God's people, we can understand that and we can see that. And we should understand and see that this world is going to have some difficult time with us. So, saints can be hated, afflicted, and killed. Then, thirdly, there is, so, so what does that mean to me? It means, it means I need to be prepared for that. I need to be knowledgeable about that. I need to be content as the Lord's people. I need to rejoice even though that there might be difficulties and trials. But I can be hated, afflicted, and killed. Thirdly, there's no nation that will not eventually hate the followers of Christ. Look at this verse. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Ye shall be hated of all nations. There is no nation that will not eventually hate the followers of Jesus Christ. I was reading a message by Spurgeon, and he was talking about how that in England things had gotten really bad, and that some people were, caught, you know, things iniquity was abounding. I mean, it was just getting really bad in in, in England. And he was talking about how that, um, how that sometimes we 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 look at this and we think of how um, that we're a Christian nation. He he said a lot of you claim that this is a Christian nation, and and at that time he's saying it doesn't really look that way. <laughs> Doesn't look like a Christian nation. England didn't look like a Christian nation, and doesn't look like a Christian nation today either. But there have been times, at least, when 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 bless we have blessings like we enjoy today, where we have the freedom to come and to worship and to serve the Lord as we do in this place, and and that there is a at least a nominal acceptance, a nominal. Uh, quietness, back to what Brother Mel mentioned, at least a little peace that we have in in being able to serve the Lord as we do, but there's coming a day when there's not a single nation, and whenever, there there is no nation that's not going to eventually have hate, have a hatred for the followers of Christ. All nations are going to hate. So so as the Lord's people make the application there and realize, number one, how good we have it as the Lord's people. Be thankful for what we have as we have it. Be thankful. Be grateful. Some of the things that... Some of the bad things that that are warnings of what can come, and sometimes when we go through things that are difficulty, my wife and I were talking about this, sometimes when we go through the hardest of things, the most difficult things, one thing they do for us is make us appreciate the good times, right? They cause us to appreciate the things that we have whenever we things were going just swell. We weren't thankful. And the Lord takes them away from us. And then we, He says... He says, "Now you get it, <laughs> you know, you get it, you get it? you understand what it means that you need to be a thankful people, rejoicing in the Lord all the way under any circumstances, being thankful for what He's given you, because you don't know what's best for you, and He does." And so, uh, there's a, but there's not a nation, there's not a nation that will not eventually hate the followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be those who realize that we understand that and you know what happens if the if they vote and if they vote to elect and determine in this country if the vote says if the cat the ballots are cast and it turns out that we have someone who absolutely despises god i think we pretty much could be close to that but have someone who absolutely despises God and takes this country down a path that is completely uh, de- uh, destroys us as a nation. You know what you know what we should do? We should faithfully serve the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We should keep going. We should do what the Lord wants us to do and realize that yeah, it's true. <laughs> There's not a nation on this earth that's not eventually going to hate God and hate his people there's not a nation so, so there's, we, we know that we understand that and so as the Lord's people we should do everything we can to, to, uh, to continue the, and, and to pray for the Lord to bless that passage scripture is about prayer praying with prayer and supplication and praying for our leaders and praying for those that are in authority over us that we might live that peaceable and quiet life godliness and honesty I got it all mixed up but anyway you know what we're talking about for now, look at the next one, uh, ver, uh, the the next part of this. It says, "Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my names' sake." For my names' sake means God is doing quite something through the followers of Christ. He is doing things through the followers of Jesus Christ. He says, "You're going to be hated." For my name's sake, for m- because of me and because of what I'm doing, because of what's being done in your life, because of me, you see, there's some things being done in your life because of Christ. There's some things being done in your life that have everything to do with that have that have <laughs> that have something to do with you, but they've got more to do with Christ. And you, you think about how. Sometimes the Lord works, and, and He works in ways in which that our life can become a blessing to someone else. We all know that, how we can be an encouragement to someone else, and God's going to work in our life, and He's going to cause sometimes that we have to be comforted, and He's going to give us comfort so that we'll be able to comfort someone else. We know those Scriptures, and how there's such, so, so much truth to that. We feel that. We understand. We experience that in our own personal lives. How that we've gone through something very terrible and would be able to be of comfort and be of help to someone else. You know what? There's something else about that, and that is that we're always... (laughs) That everything that we go through is always about Christ. It's not just about someone else. It's about Christ. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that they know... That we belong to Him. The reason why things happen to us in this world is because, because we have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll suffer t- tribulation. What, where does persecution come from? It comes from following Christ. It comes from being close to Him. It comes to being in love with the Lord in our life. And having that life that's lived quietly in godliness and honesty... And yet, even that becomes something that is hated. Even that becomes something that the world cannot deal with and doesn't want to deal with. They'd rather take you off this planet. Some some, some are going to be that way. Maybe we haven't experienced them in our lifetime. But there are going to be some that are that way. They'd rather take you off this planet than to have to deal with you, than to have to just endure you for my sake for my name's sake the scripture says so god is doing something through the followers of the lord jesus christ for their association with christ when you know you associate with someone <laughs> what happens to you <laughs> people find out that you associate with someone right does does do evil communications corrupt good manners absolutely so in other words our association with with people that we shouldn't be associating with can end up being kind of bad for us in the relationship with Christ and in our testimony to others. And those people that we associate with, like what we're doing today, that are good and that are good for us, then what happens? It, 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 it ends up being a blessing. It ends up being good. But that association with Christ, how important it is as God's people that we have that that close fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that our life is led by Him. Finally, how bad can our lot be? When I look at this passage of Scripture and, and I and I say our lot can be bad, but I look at what is taking place to these folks during this period of time, to, to believers that are gonna is gonna endure, that are gonna be in the tribulation period. Now, that, that make sure we understand each other. I don't believe any believer that is alive now before the rapture is going to go into the tribulation period. Don't believe that for a moment. Believe that we're all going to be out of here and caught up to be with the Lord. Will ever be with the Lord. Comfort yourselves. Not even those that have died before are going to be left. We're not going to precede any of them. They're all. All of us are going to be there with the Lord in the air. But the Lord is going to save people during the tribulation. He is going to save people during that time of, of Jacob's trouble. And so as he's saving folks, then those folks are going to be led of the Lord. And they're going to be people like you and I. They're just going to be human beings like you and I. They're going to be sinful. God's going to seal a great number of the Hebrews of the Jews. I mean, one hundred and forty-four thousand begin with that are going to be sealed, that are going to be saved by the grace of God, the same way we're saved today. And the word of God is going to, uh, the word of God declares how that hey, they're going to go through trouble. The saints are going to go through some trouble, going to go through some great difficulty and hardship. And He speaks of this time, and it is going to be a time when when such tribulation happens as verse 21, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time known or ever shall be. (laughs) It's going to be bad for them. It is going to be bad for some of God's saints in that day. What might we have to go through as the Lord's people? And And I would say, how bad can our lot be compared to theirs? Compared to the fact that they are going through a time which has, which has never happened like this. There's never been a time. The, the, the time of the Roman Empire, during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ after the Grecian Empire, now the Romans take, take, take the stage and the Romans are, uh, are in charge and, and, and all we hear about as we look back on history is how dreadful their moral situation was and how they fell into such debauchery, and how they were so full of sin, and how that they hated God's people, and how they persecuted God's people more so than what we experience today. And yet, that's nothing compared to what these folk are going to go through. Compared to what these folk are going to go through, it's nothing. So how can our lot be compared to theirs? A practical sense in which the, that Jesus is speaking to His disciples on this occasion was, was a, a message. This is not just a message for people during the tribulation period, but rather is a message for these folk right then to tell them, you know what? You need to be one who's following me and serving me and just continue faithful. You need to realize that you're not in charge you need to realize that, you know, sometimes we, we think we're in charge. And we like to be in charge of things. We like it. We're talking, talking to Brother Victor. We like it whenever it, we're not hydroplaning. You know, we like it when we're driving and we're in control of that automobile. We don't like it. You start, I start hydroplaning a little bit, and I don't feel good. I do not feel good at all. I don't know if any of you do, but it, you're just losing control, right? When you lose control, you don't feel good. doesn't feel comfortable. It isn't natural to feel good when you're losing control of things. When you think you're in control of things, you're not in control anyway. The Lord's the one that's in control. But when you think you're in control of things, and you start, things don't happen the way you thought they should. What was the title of our message? When Our Plans Fail. Yeah, when our plans fail, <laughs> uh, then we get all distracted and... And dismayed, and we get all kinds of problems as a result of that practical this was practical for Jesus' disciples here to understand and to see that uh that their lot is uh is not like is not everything as bad as the lot of these tribulation saints is going to be, but it can be pretty bad, and so realize. That is God's people we trust him he's got a timetable he's doing things God's got a perfectly executed plan for our lives exactly what we need saints can be hated and can be afflicted can be killed for following Christ there's no nation that isn't going to be eventually the haters of the followers of Jesus Christ and that we God for his name's sake we're doing quite a thing only because we're part we're associated with jesus christ we have a place in this world we're the salt of the earth because we're associated with the lord jesus christ and how bad can our lot be compared to theirs as we think about what the saints are going to go through one of these days well that's our message so now uh all the everybody that's, that's got uh eschatological questions and just ask Brother Mel. We uh <laughs> and I'll be I'll appreciate that very much, Brother Mel, if you'll take those. Let's go <laughs> I remember I remember uh let's see what was it? It was a, it was an old oh, who was the old comedian that uh um country comedian comedian, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he would he somebody asked him some he he was giving a speech at a college and some kid stands up and asks, uh, asks him this really sophisticated question and said well what you know if this and this and this and this and gives him all has all these complicated questions regarding eschatology it wasn't regarding eschatology but but maybe it was and uh and he said i can't believe you'd ask a question like that that question is so stupid He said, my driver back in the back can even answer that question. You just go see him. (laughs) Good enough. And I'm not calling Brother Mel my driver. (laughs) Let's go to the Lord in prayer.